sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. All across the Spiz Grizz network as well, I am Ben Stevens. So much to get to here in our second hour. We'll look at a tournament in golf, a field of 64 at the Dell Match Play this weekend in Austin. Everybody trying to have their own March Madness here during this month. We are about 10 games away from the end of an NBA regular season, postseason positioning, front and center. All of that and more here over this second hour, live on the morning after on SportsGrid. So let's start in the association. A ton to get to from last night in the sport. Out in the NBA, the Boston Celtics have split their 10 games entering last night in the month of March. Five wins, five losses. Not exactly what you want to see from a team that was booked as the favorites to win an NBA title virtually all season long, but that's not the case anymore. However, Boston starting to trend after a long road trip in a positive direction as the Celtics go on the road last night to Sacramento the beam was not lit as the Celtics win big 132-109 sure the second leg of a back-to-back for the Kings but the Celtics win by 23 points covering as a five-point favorite the Celtics have been a favorite in 68 of their 73 games they are now 35 and 33 against the number this year Although Sacramento had all five players score in double figures that started the basketball game, Boston did the same, and they were led by Jason Tatum. Tatum Tatum needed that bounce back just as much as his overall team. He only scored 15 points in a weird loss on Saturday night in Utah. He had scored 22 or less in three of the last four for Boston entering last night but he scores 36 big ones to pace all Celtics scores last night, a game-high 36 over his points prop of 29.5. Now, DeMontis Sabonis had a triple-double, which he is often doing for Sacramento, but in a losing effort. So, a big game for Celtics, as the, for the Celtics, excuse me, as they become the second team in the NBA to reach that 50-win benchmark back into that two spot in the Eastern Conference just two games behind the Milwaukee Bucks the Kings they have now lost two straight games they fall a game and a half behind the Memphis Grizzlies for the second spot in the West they are five games back in total of the Nuggets for that top spot playoff positioning at stake last night in Brooklyn inside the Barclays Center in the Eastern Conference between Cleveland and those Nets the Cavs win by six 115-119 on the road they cover as a four point favorite a big victory for the Cavaliers that featured a Donovan Mitchell poster so Cleveland where they are in the Eastern Conference standings pretty firm into that four spot they're three and a half games behind the Sixers 
for the three spot, but they now have a three and a half game lead in front of the New York Knicks. The Celtic, or excuse me, the Nets, meanwhile, holding on desperately to that sixth spot in the Eastern Conference, trying to avoid the Eastern Conference play in tournament. They are only a half game in front of the Miami Heat, as the Nets now have lost four straight games. So as you look at those Eastern Conference odds, there is clearly a tier of two, maybe a tier of three. If you include the Sixers, it's a plus 480 price for Philly, plus 125 for Milwaukee, plus 170 for Boston. We welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after, live right here on the grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. We move from the Eastern Conference back out to the West. A game late night in Los Angeles. That saw a pretty disappointing result for the L.A. Clippers in more ways than one. Paul George leaves the game after suffering what appeared to be a knee injury. And the Thunder go on the road as a seven-point dog in win outright. As our producer, John Shames, spelled out for me to reiterate to you, Kawhi Leonard at the end of the game had an opportunity for a game-winning bucket. He was put in the Dortcher chamber by Lou Dort defensively last night. OKC has now won eight of their last 10 games. The Clippers entered winning five of their last six as well. Stop sleeping on the Thunder. They vault into the seventh spot in the Western Conference standings right now. They would be the top team in the Western Conference play-in tournament if the season were to end today. OKC this year, 19-8-3 against the spread as an underdog. Oklahoma City has covered in more than 62% of their games. They have the best cover percentage in all of the NBA. Last year, it was the second best cover percentage in all of the association. Oklahoma City right now is not tanking. Oklahoma City is trying to become a playoff team. 31 points for SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, his points prop, 31 and a half. So here are the Western Conference standings right now. Five through 12. 5 through 12, the Clippers in the 5 spot, a game in front of the Warriors. The Clippers right now from that 12 spot being the New Orleans Pelicans, it's only a two and a half game difference for those seven teams in the middle. You can see the teams in terms of their make playoff odds. That would also be a win or two in the Western Conference play in tournament we will set the stage for this Wednesday night in the association because so much of that focus is on the playoffs right now in the NBA we'll do that later on in hour number two more of the morning after is up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com march is a month of madness march is a month of brackets and we are seeing that this week in austin texas for the dell match play as well welcome back to a wednesday live right here on the morning after on sports grid i am ben stevens very pleased to welcome on our guy dubsy dubs anderson now in the mix 
here on TMA. You will see him later on In Game Live as well this evening on the Sports Grid Network, probably giving you some more PGA Tour plays for the WGC Dell Match Play this week. Dubsy brackets all around. Match play madness instead of March madness. I love the PGA Tour taking advantage of the moment this week, and we are glad to have you here on the morning after. Yeah, good to see you, Ben. I mean, uh, to call it as, as it is, the, the PGA Tour is certainly going to bring the drama to uh, our Sweet 16. But March Madness, it hits out there on the court, but it's going to hit at Austin Country Club today. Another elevated event. All the heavy hitters in the world of golf are playing in this tournament. Only 64 golfers. The only notable names not there, Justin Thomas and Justin Rose. But it's a fantastic tournament, and it may be the last year we get to see the WGC Dell match play given uh, a couple of schedule changes coming up next year on the PGA Tour. So excited stuff, and they start today, Ben. So like the NCAA tournament, Dubsy, after the first four, it is a field of 64 for the Dell match play. You mentioned it starts today. It's not your usual Thursday start for any given week on the PGA Tour. Dubsy, how do you explain this format to maybe the casual sports fan and better? Yeah, so this is match play golf. It, it doesn't matter what you shoot. You have to go against your playing opponent. So if I'm playing you, Ben, to get through the group stages, if I shoot a six and you have a nine, it doesn't matter. I win the hole, and I'm just trying to beat you over 18. So it's a different element that these golfers are not really used to seeing. You know, we see a bit at, uh, you know, match play golf in the amateur ranks. We see it in college. We see it at the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup. But this is the one chance we get to see it on the PGA Tour schedule. It's not for everyone, and we can see that from past winners. You really need to be mentally tough. This is a week where I put more weight on the intangibles into our handicapping, more so than key stats that line up really well to Austin Country Club. So we're looking for guys who are comfortable being uncomfortable. And look, you don't have to hit it a mile, but you just have to put your playing partner under enough pressure and beat him over 18 holes, get through the first three days, the group stages, survive, advance. Dubsy, as you said right there, beating your playing partner, you put us in an unfair first-round matchup. Why'd you have to say I got a nine? on the hole you couldn't have beat me with a par <laughs> it was just it an like example a five yeah, a four. to be a clear I mean, example that was a bad one Benny. Tough, okay man. so if i had that's if a I quad had plus eagle, one dubsy I, I didn't think about that i'm sorry benny firing shots early that's on a tough, wednesday man. that's that's tough all right we'll worry about the actual professional golfers as well the world number one the players champion is the number one seed in the wgc dell match play his name of course is Scotty Scheffler for his opening round matchup, Dubsy. You mentioned it is pool play, but the first match that he will play at Austin Country Club comes against Davis Riley. As you can see, Scotty Scheffler, a pretty hefty odds on favorite at minus 170. Dubsy, what is your evaluation of Scotty's opening match in Austin? Step aside. I mean, you can't go against Scotty Scheffler. This guy is traveling with his golf game. He won this tournament last year. He's from Texas. He's a local lad. He knows the golf course really well. And he's coming off another big win at the Players' Championship. And he's getting ready for two weeks' time at the Masters. So Scotty Scheffler is an absolute freight train right now. Minus 170. Davis Riley has been playing some really erratic golf. He's starting to show a bit more form of late. But it's not the same Davis Riley that I was very big on this time last year. So Scotty Scheffler should make it look comfortable. And 
I think he's got a really good chance coming out of the group, but I do have an upset coming out of uh, group one there. So Scotty Scheffler right now, he's earned that Ooh. number one spot in the world of golf. And what's his biggest asset is that ability to just lock it in. Nothing phases him. And this is a format that I touched on. You want to try and get under your opponent's skin. It's tough to do with Scotty Scheffler. That is certain right at the top. So maybe it'll happen again. I mean, you never know. Yeah, there, a, a lot of those facts, and this will this will play out over the fall. last two seasons on the PGA Tour. That was the case for John Rahm to start off 2023 as well, victorious in three of his first five starts in this calendar year. A great first-round matchup, Dubsy, between two very recognizable names in the world of golf. It is John Rahm as the odds-on favorite at minus 125 against Ricky Fowler, the underdog in this opening round matchup at plus 155. Dubsy, you mentioned it's more about mentality this week in match play, but which part of the game do you think fits best to Austin Country Club this week that will lead to success in this match play event? I think strokes gain on approach. You'll see from uh, the front nine there at Austin Country Club, it meanders through sort of the countryside, a bit more undulation than the back nine. We get down on the flats by the water. But for me in match play golf, find the fairway. Don't try and intimidate your playing partner and be the first to the green. So I think the good iron players have that ability to put a bit more pressure. Even these PGA Tour golfers, if they look up, the guy they're going against has a 15-footer already sitting there in front of him, gets a little shaky. You start moving a little quicker. If you miss the greens, well... You're trying to make up and down. But ultimately, the flat stick is where the momentum is swung. You make a 15-footer to steal a hole away from your playing partner, they start stomping feet, and then suddenly your crew is in there. But this is a big matchup, not only uh, you know for John Rahm, who thrives in the yeah. match play format, but for Ricky Fowler, he needs a quarterfinal finish to make it through the Masters there in a couple of weeks. So Ricky's been trending in the right direction, but... Wow, going up against John Rahm in this format, as good as Rambo's been playing after pulling out there at the Players' Championship, Ricky's up against it. A tough draw. It's like a 13 seed out of one of the best mid-major conferences that won their conference tournament championship having to go up against an undervalued four seed. But John Rahm is more like a one seed than anywhere on that four line. In fact, he has the second best odds to win the entire match play event in Austin this week, only behind Scotty Scheffler. Dubsy, here we sit on the brink of the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. We use this off time to reset and to look at the future prices. Is that something you will do from the value perspective throughout the WGC Dell match play event as well? Yeah, especially, uh, you know, coming up for a couple of weeks. But uh, where it gets serious is you go through the group stages and, you know, you're playing against the three other guys in your pod. It's one point for a win. Uh, half if we draw and you get nothing if you advance. Two points are probably punching your ticket through. But, I mean, Friday night is when we're going to do the unofficial cut moving through to the final 16. After yeah. that, you're going to lose all value. But this is a tournament where we have had a lot of success the last couple of years betting on a Friday night, trying to find those names that still present a bit of failure, and I think we might be able to find some. Might we see some Cinderella runs? Might we see some upsets early on at the WGC Dell Match Play event? So, Dubsy, that leads us in to your early round of that match play and the handicaps that you have for this PGA Tour event. Dubsy, it starts with Christian Kirk getting out to a pretty, or Chris Kirk, excuse me, getting out to a pretty early lead. How do you find those spots throughout this event? Yeah, so I think Chris Kirk, really steady Eddie type, and that's frustrating to play against. He's going up against Siwoo Kim 
really erratic. So I think Seawood could come out a little shaky. Grab a slice of Chris Kirk to lead after three holes at plus 300. It's a bit of a flyer, but again, he's just got a bit more poise and patience. And that's what you want to look for to start the, uh, the first round strong here on a Wednesday. I've got Cameron Young over Davis Thompson, minus 135. Cameron Young. He's been knocking on that door. He can intimidate with that length off the tee, and he's a gamer, still looking for that breakthrough win. We've got Tommy Fleetwood, who's been the man at the right. He's been the man on the PGA Tour the last couple of outings, going up against JT Posted of plus money. Yeah, give me the best set of letters on the PGA Tour, Tommy Fleetwood, for a bit of a run at plus 100. And then, Benny, I've got some group plays I'll throw out there in the mix. Tom Kim, I think he's got a really good chance of upsetting and coming out of group one plus 330, but he's going to have to get past Scotty Scheffler. The kid shows to the President's Cup. He's built for it. John Rahm right. out of group two, just because, plus 125. And keep an eye on the Kiwi, Ryan Fox out of group seven, plus 310 to advance and get past Willie Zalatoris. Tom Kim was an absolute superstar at the President's Cup. He lives for these moments of match play. I like the look there, Dubsy. Thank you very much. We'll see you on In Game Live later tonight on Sports Grid. More than morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just under a month away from the end of the NHL regular season. That means postseason positioning and a focus on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Front and center, live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome back on one of our favorites. It is Pete Jensen from NHL.com and the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast. A proud new father of a second child there so pete we are glad to have you back here in an important time your little guy knows that listen we're gearing up for the stanley cup postseason we got to be firing on all cylinders so pete we're glad to have you back here live on the morning after yeah thanks so much for having me and it was perfect timing we got the big trades done i was on with you guys i think the thursday before the deadline then the deadline day was quiet and my son was born so it was kind of like he was the biggest news of deadline day itself but now we're in the midst of sure. Stanley Cup playoff races, about a month away, a little less from the start of the playoffs. So uh, I couldn't be happier to be back and uh, be here while everything's going on uh, in the days leading up to the postseason, which is the most exciting time of year for sure. Right around that NHL trade deadline just a few weeks ago, it was Pete's son, number one, and then right underneath probably Patrick Kane getting traded to the Rangers. And so far, so good for the Rangers, Pete. They had won four straight games, entering last night at Madison Square Garden, hosting the Carolina Hurricanes. But the Canes, a wagon in the Eastern Conference as well. Carolina goes on the road to the world's most famous arena and wins 3-2 to two as a slight, and I mean very slight, money line underdog. Snapping that four-game win streak for New York, Pete, how important was this game for postseason position for both Carolina and New York. Sure, Carolina's trying to stave off the New Jersey Devils for the Metropolitan Division title. And since we last talked, Andre Svechnikov, probably Carolina's most physical player, is out for the rest of the season. So that's a really big blow. Remember, they also have 
Pacioretty out for the season. Those are probably their two best goal scorers on the team. So Stanley Cup futures wise, I have changed my tune. Remember, I picked the Canes to win the cup at the beginning of the season in the preseason. I'm still yeah. high on them to maybe win a round or two because they're grizzled in that way. They're a great possession team. But in terms of winning four straight rounds in that gauntlet of an Eastern Conference, I think their chances yeah. have dwindled at least a little bit, in my opinion. So Carolina's still going to be a tough out. They still have unfinished business. If Freddie Anderson is healthy, that's the one guy that could tilt things back into their favor. Remember, he missed the entire playoffs because of injury last night. Nice performance yesterday. The guy's been money ever since coming back from injury. So I think Freddie Anderson's health gives the Hurricanes a prayer in this cup final race. Despite Carolina having the second-best record in all of the NHL, the second-best record in the Eastern Conference, the second team, along with the Boston Bruins, who won again last night for their fourth consecutive victory, Carolina is the only other team with 100 points registered this season. Pete, the Canes were seen as the team most of this regular season with the second-best odds in the Eastern Conference to challenge the Boston Bruins. And because of some of those injury concerns, like you mentioned, they move behind the Leafs. So when you look at the Eastern Conference and that best team to, in fact, challenge the Bees for an Eastern Conference crown, who do you think that is currently in the Eastern Conference? It's interesting because the odds would suggest that it's Toronto, but they kind of got their doors blown off by the Islanders yesterday in a very telling game. And as good as Toronto has been and more consistent than I thought they would be, They've dropped a lot of questionable games this year to some non-contending teams uh, throughout the course of the season, East and Western Conference. So that's a concern to me. The Islanders are on the cusp yep. of the playoffs. I don't know that they're a real contender, uh, regardless of opponent, unfortunately, contrary to previous years when they made the playoffs. Florida is a little dangerous team if they sneak in. They had a bad loss yesterday, but they're definitely trending in the right direction. But to answer your question, I would lean toward some of those teams below the Maple Leafs on the odds board, like the Hurricanes, the Devils, Rangers, and Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay, uh, you can get good odds on them right now, as the uh, graphic suggests there. That team has gotten to the cup final three straight years, two championships and one loss last year to Colorado. Uh, that's the pedigree of the Tampa Bay Lightning, so you can never count out a team like that for sure. I like Tampa Bay uh, once again in a series against Toronto, if that's the way things shake out. And Pete, as you well know, the Maple Leafs struggles once they reach the Stanley Cup playoffs have been well documented. The Leafs have not won a playoff series since 2004. So as we look at the Eastern Conference seedings, it was a big win for the Islanders last night against Toronto. And I mean big, 7-2 to in favor of the Isles, who are actually a slight underdog against Toronto. Because of the victory, Pete, New York now has 82 points. They paced the Eastern Conference wildcard standings in that top spot. So as you look at the Eastern Conference wildcard standings in the overall playoff picture, how competitive do you expect this race to be in the final month or so of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that the Sabres have fallen out of this thing because that was a really promising team. I think they're going to be a playoff team next year, uh, especially with this new kid, uh, Devin Levi, that they just called up. Uh, they signed to an entry-level contract. I don't know if he's going to play down the stretch, but that's someone to keep an eye out, uh, maybe for Rookie of the Year next year, just to prognosticate and look ahead. But you're seeing teams that have been in the playoffs 
every single year, the Penguins and Capitals on the outside looking in right now. Again, I feel good about Florida. My worry about the Islanders is that Brock Nelson got banged up yesterday. They're already playing without Matthew Barzell. I don't know that they have uh, the best star power maybe outside of Bo Horvat since making that trade. And even he's been a little quiet lately. They've just gotten good contributions from their depth scorers. But um, the, the possibility of not having Nelson and Barzell for any stretch of time is really concerning to me. So don't count out the Penguins and Capitals. They play each other on Saturday night, ABC this week. Uh, so maybe the winner of that game gets a little leg up, but uh, the Penguins and Capitals are in uh, dire straits right now. And you see right there, those top three teams in the wild card race, all within just four points of one another. And the Pens, Pete, as the odds would say, have a pretty good shot. 28 to one, it is a shorter number than that of the Islanders. Now to the Western Conference postseason race, both in the standings and in the wild card spot as well. An overtime battle last night in Dallas as the Kraken go on the road and beat the Stars 5-4 to four in that extra session. Dallas was booked as a minus 170 money line favorite, the total of 6.5 skies over. Because of the one point in the overtime defeat, Dallas still tied for the top spot in the Central Division, but a big win for the Kraken, Pete. They hold that top spot in the Western Conference uh, wild card standing. So what was your main takeaway from the result last night between the Stars and the Kraken in Dallas? Yeah, I mean, I think the Seattle Kraken continue to surprise everybody this season. They have one of the deepest offenses in the whole league. We've seen uh, them deal with different injuries, but uh, just a guy like Jared McCann, 30-plus uh, goals this season. Uh, they've gotten different contributions from guys that they brought over in the offseason uh, at different positions. Uh, their goaltending is a little bit of a weak point heading into the playoffs if they were to stack up against a team like Colorado or a team like Dallas that has Georgiev or, mm -hmm. or Ottinger respectively. Remember, they're probably going to be a wild card team at this point in time based on where they currently stand. But that's a big statement when going on the road in Dallas. Dallas, to me, maybe other than Colorado, is the second most equipped to go on a really deep run. I, with all due respect to Edmonton, I think just Dallas got there a couple of years ago and is really uh, well-rounded as well with a combination of youth and veteran savvy. But um, Seattle, remember Vegas that year when they went to the cup final in their expansion season. I know this is year two for the Kraken, but everybody underestimated Vegas that postseason, maybe except for people who were you know, throwing wagers in Vegas at the time and were confident in the new home team. But I just remember how they were a little disrespected going into the playoffs. And that's how I feel uh, that Seattle is going to be this year. So again, super deep offense all season long. They can come at you in many different yeah. ways and they're going to be a good playoff sleeper in the Pacific division this year. The eighth best price right now to win the West. That is what Seattle has at 13 to one. Pete, you saw who the favored team is in the Western conference. Once again, a relatively short number for Colorado. The Avs now plus 270. This was the team, Pete, we all expected to see following the Stanley Cup championship just a season ago. The odds would say, Pete, Colorado is the favorite to win the Western Conference. What does Pete Jensen have to say? Who is Pete's favorite to win the Western Conference crown at this point? <laughs> it's a great question. I'm, I'm high on the LA Kings. They have the championship pedigree with Kopitar and Dowdy. 
Corpusalo and Copley is a pretty good goalie tandem. They have great second and third liners all season long. Even right now with with Kevin Fiala banged up, it's like they've been able to get through the day. So don't sleep on the LA Kings with their track record either. I think it's interesting, though, when you look at the Abs and the Golden Knights at the top of that leaderboard right now, still dealing with significant injuries. Major props to what Georgiev has done. The Golden Knights feel it feels like they've played like five or six goalies this year because Logan Thompson's been injured. He came back. He was backing up last night. So that's a good sign. But the Golden Knights are without Mark Stone. We'll see if it's for the rest of the season. Maybe he comes back for the playoffs, but he had back surgery. That's a major glaring uh, question mark for me for their ceiling and their cup futures appeal. So I'm a little hesitant on the Golden Knights, generally speaking. And I think a team like the Kraken or a team like uh, Edmonton or certainly, um, you know, some of those other teams like the L.A. Kings pose a threat to the Golden Knights in any given matchup. Pete Jensen from the NHL and the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast. We appreciate your time. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Around the association we go once again, live right here on a Wednesday on the morning after on Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Sacramento's very own Justin Henry joins us here on TMA on this Wednesday. He is in Sacramento always. He was at the Golden One Center last night to see an NBA battle between the Kings and the Celtics. So, Justin, we always appreciate you waking up early with us on the West Coast, and we certainly appreciate the insight you will provide here on the morning after. From late to the game, I had to put my makeup on really quickly before coming in today. But, yes, it was it was a crazy game last night. It was fun to be at and uh, very electric. Almost had a little bit of a playoff atmosphere heading into it. And that will be what Sacramento experiences more than likely here because they are still in the three spot in the Western Conference standings despite a two-game slide. Now a game and a half behind Memphis for that two spot. The two-game slide includes the loss last night hosting the Celtics. Boston comes in as a five-point road favorite. The Celtics win by 23 points. So, Justin, you were there for Boston's 132-109 victory last night in Sacramento, inside the Golden 1 Center. What did you see with your own two eyes? Well, they were handing out cowbells before the game, and the crowd, the crowd was really electric. And so, um, like I said, it felt like a kind of a playoff atmosphere, and this team needs that, right? This city has been needing that for the last 20 years since they've been into the playoffs. And so... Coming into the game, you know, this was one of those games where I expected it to be a tough competitive matchup all the way through. Uh, and it was early on. It was a – we saw Jason Tatum uh, continue to lead the charge for the Celtics team. We saw Jalen Brown get active. And, and this Kings team was really keeping up with them in the first half of the game. And then in the second half, this was the second game for the Kings of a back-to-back. And so this being the second leg, we saw the the, the, the wheels start to come off for this Kings team in the second half. Yeah. Uh, a lot of flat jump shots. Celtics really kind of put on the gas and, and pulled away. So while it was close early on, it became a blowout. I think the Celtics prove why they're just 
a more talented team at this point than the Sacramento Kings. And it's just one of those things, you know, the Kings as a young team have to learn how to build on the games like that. The, the, the energy was there. And you know what? There was one thing, Ben, that really surprised me. This Celtics crowd, it travels really well as one of the, the premier franchises in the league. And Boston ends a long six-game road trip with a victory because it's been a mixed bag for the Celtics in March. Now they have won six of their 11 games. And like you mentioned, Justin, a, a tough spot for Sacramento. Not just the second leg of a back-to-back, -back, but the second leg of a back-to-back -back that both games weren't at home in Sacramento. The Kings were in Salt Lake two nights ago. So you mentioned Jason Tatum leading all scorers with 36 points. Jalen Brown added in 27 as well when the Jays are playing at their best Justin Henry as we saw on display last night against the Kings are they the best duo in the Eastern Conference it's very debatable right you got Giannis over there with Drew Holiday we got Embiid and Harden but when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both playing together and they're both scoring at will it's a very tough duo to stop so in the Eastern Conference I'd say there's a couple duos that challenge them but right now we got to put them among the elite for sure so now let's look at the NBA championship odds where Boston has been at the top pretty much all season long. Now just 40 cents behind the Milwaukee Bucks as the Bucks have a two game lead for that top spot in the Eastern Conference. Justin, it feels like when you look at both conferences respectively right now at this point, about 10 games left in the regular season, the East is stacked at the top with Milwaukee, Boston, and perhaps Philadelphia. The Western Conference has been jumbled all season long it feels very up in the air so when you look at the title odds how do you compare the best in the east versus the best in the west well it kind of feels like whoever had, comes out of the east obviously has the advantage right with the bucks and the celtics and it feels like with the western conference the the odds show that we're leaning towards those more veteran teams right the suns are up there mm -hmm. the clippers are up there uh, the nuggets are actually underneath the suns even though um, they are the first in the West right now. We didn't even see the Kings on the on the board at all. So, you know, for me, I, I look at this and we look at the teams like, um, you know, the Phoenix Suns. If Kevin Durant comes back healthy, which he's expected to here any day now, this Suns team is going to be a tough out. But I think we lean on the, the experience of the East, the fact that they've had two teams that have been in the title uh, game here in the last couple of years with the Bucks and the yeah. Celtics. So, uh, I don't know, man. This It feels like the West is tougher overall, but just that top heaviness of the East is going to carry them, and that's why we see those teams with the best odds. It is really interesting right now. Three of the five shortest prices to win an NBA championship hail from the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. Then six of the next seven best prices all from the Western Conference, including the next four teams. Again, the East is stacked. The West maybe has the depth once we get to the postseason the team that sits in second right now in the western conference standings three and a half games back of the nuggets who occupy that top spot the memphis grizzlies there is an expectation although not officially confirmed as of yet that john moran makes his return tonight for the grizzlies against the houston rockets his eight game nba suspension has now come to a close he was eligible to return on monday night against the mavericks he did not and memphis has won three consecutive games so if for sure john morant plays tonight for the grizzlies justin against the houston rockets what is a fair level of expectation 
Well, I think we want to, you're going to work John ja Morant in, right? When you talk about this Memphis team, he's been playing really well without John ja Morant. They'll also be without Dylan Brooks tonight, serving his suspension, obviously, for his 18th technical of the season. They've been barking a lot, and there's been a lot of energy around this team about, you know, are they going to make that next run? Are they just some, you know, are they just a lot of a lot of talkers? Um, and so I think there's been a lot of drama with this Memphis Grizzlies team. I think Ja is going to come in and just look to kind of put some ease for this Memphis Grizzlies team against a team that is playing for the Victor Wimbanyama sweepstakes. Let's be honest. So yeah. when I when you put Ja Morant into the picture, this team becomes a little bit more dynamic. Uh, and I think they have to get him worked in. Just let him play free and let the guy get back to basketball. When you look at 27 games last year, including some of those postseason games for Memphis, the Grizzlies were 21-6 and six without John ja Morant. This year, they have split their 14 games without Jaw. They are 7-7, seven and seven, but again, riding a three-game win streak into tonight, booked as a 12.5-point favorite against one of the worst teams in the league in the Houston Rockets. But, of course, John ja Morant, the basketball player, is one of the most exciting we have seen in the last few seasons, Justin, in the NBA. So, with a healthy and able John ja Morant, where does that put the Memphis Grizzlies in the Western Conference, in your opinion? Well, I still think they're one of those regular season teams, right? We see the teams that go through the regular season and play well. John Moran is a key piece of that. Um, but when we talk about this Memphis team, it pretty much is what it is. Because like you mentioned, they play well without John Moran. They're a tough, gritty team. But I think against some of the more experienced teams in the Western Conference, they may struggle. When you talk about the Warriors, uh, you know, some of those, the Suns, if they get matched up against one of those teams earlier on, it could be a tough outing for the Memphis Grizzlies. And we'll see exactly what that all looks like when the postseason comes around, what the final seed line is for Memphis right now in that second spot in the standings, but the fourth best number to win the conference championship at plus 650. Now we go elsewhere in the Western Conference where absences have been a story for the Dallas Mavericks and absences of road victories has been the story for the Golden State Warriors all season long. Tonight, the Dubs on the road in Dallas but they're booked as a two-point favorite. Might Luka return? He has missed five consecutive games with a thigh injury. So what is the bigger worry for you, Justin Henry, as you evaluate these two teams? Golden State and their lack of abilities on the road or the injury concerns and even when they're healthy, uh, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic playing together? I think the, the Mavericks have more concerns because they have to get these guys together. We know what Luka is going to do in the playoffs, but we haven't seen this duo together, and the team doesn't have the defense and the depth that they used to have. So the Mavericks obviously have to figure things out. The Warriors have struggled all season on the road, and, and they have to know it as well. This team has to know that they've struggled on the road, but I think they can figure it out in a seven-game series in the playoffs. So I'm not as concerned with the Warriors because they're going to lean on their elite guys. They're going to lean on the championship pedigree. Whereas Dallas has to figure out what are our roles late in the game? How do we work through a seven-game series? Who's you know who's going to be our leader throughout the, the course of a game? Who's going to be our defender that steps up? So there's a lot more inconsistency with Dallas that they have to figure out in a shorter period of time because they haven't played as long together. I think the Warriors can get it figured out, win a road game or two if they need to. Dallas has to get healthy and get, get all together before this thing gets going. 
So the Golden State Warriors, courtesy of a win against those Houston Rockets on the road earlier this week, are now 8-29 away from San Francisco. It is the fourth worst road record in all of the NBA. If you are not that concerned, Justin, how do the Dubs figure it out in the postseason and stymie some of these road struggles? Well, I think it's it's got to be one of those things from inside, right? What's really going on with this Warriors team and why are they struggling on the road? And it's always felt like this team has had a switch. Uh, we don't really care a switch. And then, oh, now we do care because this is a tough matchup. Or now we care because it's the playoffs. And so a veteran team may just be going through the road games and, and not taking it as seriously. Um, and so they have to figure that part out. I'm not saying that, that it's automatically going to come on, but I think they have the right minds in that room. They have the right experience in that room and the right mental grit in order to overcome that in a series against some of these teams. You talk about the Grizzlies, the Kings, that's probably who they're going to be matching up yep. with. They can, they can eliminate some of those, uh, you know, veteran problems that they have or road problems against a less experienced team. So in the playoffs, I think we're just all expecting this Warriors team to turn it up. I think they can not sure if they will. Golden state right now in the sixth spot in the Western conference standings. Again, a very jumbled Western Conference. Because the Clippers lost last night at home and Paul George was injured in the game to the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Clippers and the 12 seed, the New Orleans Pelicans, those eight teams that you see there up to the Clips at the five spot are separated by two and a half games. So, Justin, eventually this will all see itself work itself out. Of those teams that could be a Western Conference play-in tournament team, who do you think could eventually make the most noise come the Western Conference playoffs? Oh, I hate to come on the show and sound like a homer, Say it. but Say it. LeBron is a very big differentiator. And if this Lakers team can get into the playoffs and secure a spot, it changes the whole Western Conference. Now, they obviously have to win. They have to get into the tournament. But LeBron just being that guy who we've seen the pedigree, the championship pedigree, the MVP level of play, if he's healthy, it changes the entire Western Conference. So I know it sounds like a homer pick here in California, um, but when I look at Minnesota, a Dallas, a New Orleans Pelicans, there's no really any other team that scares me, the Utah Jazz, the Thunder. Like the Lakers are the one team, if they get matched up against somebody, it could be problems for the other team. The Lakers at home tonight. It is a very short number. It's one point in favor of the Suns. It's minus 116 for Phoenix on the money line, minus 102 for LA. Quickly here, Justin Henry, knowing what you just said, trying to get into the Western Conference play in tournament, how important is tonight's game against the Suns? This is a must-win game, in my opinion, for the Lakers without DeAndre Ayton in there, without Kevin Durant playing tonight. There's two major keys for this Suns team that are going to be out of the game. So the Lakers have to find a way to get a win. Anthony Davis has to play in this game. This is as must-win as it gets for the Lakers coming here down the stretch. It feels like that will be the level of significance the rest of the way. Justin Henry, we appreciate you as SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Closing out our two hours together here, live on a Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. It is a Wednesday. It is the final day before we get back into the action in the big dance. The Sweet 16 for the 2023 Men's NCAA Tournament starts tomorrow we are about 32 hours away from the first game that will tip off inside madison square garden to start the round of 16. it's a virtual pick em. the spartans and the wildcats michigan state kansas state with sparty a slight one and a half point favorite so as we reset here and take one final big picture look at the big dance what could tomorrow in the east region tell us about the way the bracket plays out the rest of the way here in March and into early April. We examine that before we say farewell and goodbye. It's time for a big picture. Best bet, it's time for Bye Bye Bye. Again, Michigan State is a one and a half point favorite for the first game of the Sweet 16 tomorrow evening inside Madison Square Garden. Kansas State has been sensational in covering numbers all year long, 23 and 11 against the number. I think Michigan State is going to win this basketball game outright. I think it is a toss up. If I look at that and I say to myself, Michigan State would be just one more win away from a final four appearance where they would face the winner of FAU in Tennessee in the second game at Madison Square Garden that 25 to 1 number right now on the Spartans would be drastically cut shorter than what it stands at at this moment if they appear in Houston at the final four at least by half it could be 8 to 1 I guarantee myself profitability that does it for this Wednesday live right here on the morning after we'll be back tomorrow on a Thursday starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time I'm Ben Stevens